Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Tony Belton. Tony, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am good. So, Tony, you have the distinction of being, or maybe I have the distinction of knowing you since you were a teenager. <laughs> and the weird thing is, I keep getting older, and you look exactly the same. You're like the <laughs> same guy you were when we first met. And we first met when I was at Parkview, now Parkview Health, and you were an intern. What do you remember about that time? Because I'm so old that I don't remember anything. Oh man, let me see. That was that was a good time. Um, we were down there in the in the dungeon, as yeah. I recall, the uh, old Tokheim building. Yes, yes. On, on Randalia. Oh, that's right. Before we went up off Dupont, we were in Randalia. Yes, yes. Um, that was a lot of fun. I remember. Um, there's probably a handful of people from that internship that I still have kept in contact with. Yourself. Um, Minta. Yeah. Minta's John, in Alaska. Now. I know. Yeah. John uh, Givers. Yep. Uh, I remember we did the, the Samaritan thing. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, I think I was there for five years and you came on board as an intern sort of in the middle of all that. And I've kind of, you and I have, it's one of those relationships where we've stayed in touch, but it's like in five-year increments. Yes. I'll run into you. I'm like, I haven't seen you in five years. So thanks for doing this. It's going to be fun to catch up and hear what Absolutely, you're doing. Yeah. So I'm really eager to talk about the two new things that suddenly you are doing um, kind of both full-time. But I want to start with your career path. And, you know, and you can weave in the Parkview internship, but talk about what you were thinking career-wise when you were at Snyder, and then where did you go from there, and how have you pivoted or not over the years? How has that taken you where you are today? Oh man, let me think. <laughs> um, I know that's a lot. To that's think a about. Yeah. that's a lot. But no, um, I think that um, at, when I was at Snyder, I still didn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. um, I was just thinking, I hope I graduate. Yeah, um, uh, the same, very much the same. <laughs> yes, for me. Yeah. Uh, then uh, college and undergrad. Um, Believe it or not, I started out as a computer science major. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, but that was hard. <laughs> and I was an accounting major, so I stopped doing it because it was hard. So what was attractive about computer science? Um, I just loved everything that they could do mm -hmm. and that what you could make them do. Yeah. Um, but then I realized that you got to be really good at math for that. Yeah. Um, so then I just sort of sat back and I thought to myself, what do I like to do? Mm -hmm. um, and to what it what is easy what comes naturally mm -hmm. and it and it just sort of it, it was marketing it was writing it was journalism it was pr uh so i switched my major and, and i haven't looked back ever since then. so and this was school in virginia is that correct yes. how did you find your way to a college in virginia um uh, honestly the beach yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah another good decision yes yeah. yes yeah. it was the beach my best friend and i we just sort of applied to a whole bunch of places and that was the first school that I think got back to both of us. Okay. All right. And we ended up in, in, in Norfolk and Virginia Beach. All right. So did you think you were going to stay there forever or, you know, did you know you were coming back? No. Yeah, I knew I was okay. going to come back. Uh -huh. um, there was that internship that yeah. happened, um, I believe, my junior year of, of college and undergrad. Yeah. Um, Parkview was always like a really cool place. I thought I would might want to work there. So I knew that I was going to come back. Um, I didn't know where I was going to work at, mm -hmm. but I knew I was going to come back. So yeah, um, yeah. All right. So so when you finish college, 
what are some of the first jobs you end up in and how does that evolve? I mean, one of the things as I look at your career, you spent a lot of time with nonprofits and I'd like to hear, was that intentional or was that just sort of a happy accident? So how do you, how do you move along the path and how does that nonprofit theme kind of play out through, throughout that? Um, it's a good question. I, th- it was sort of a happy accident, mm-hmm. um, I'm, and I'm not mad that it happened that way. Uh, my first job out of college was, well, just that summer, I was just mowing grass. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were mowing grass for Gladio Oil Refinery. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Um, this is in Huntington? Well, it was Huntington, and then there's a, there's a location here in Fort Wayne. Okay. So we were just kind of mowing grass. We were probably doing more sitting than mowing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I was, you know, applying to a lot of places then. Yeah. Um, and my first job, my first real job, was as the um, assistant marketing guy at the Fort Wayne Philharmonic. Okay. Uh, so that sort of started the whole path down non-for-profits mm-hmm. um, and being ingrained with the, the thought that you always do less with more. Every mm-hmm. year you do less with mm-hmm. more. Um, it sort of also, I, I guess, prepared me um, to wear many hats mm-hmm. um, in non-for-profit. You never know. No no day is the same. You yeah. never know what you're going to be doing. One day, I could be schlepping boxes of program books at the Philharmonic, from the Philharmonic to the embassy, and then the next day, I'd be in front of you know cameras doing TV interviews. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of fun. It, it prepared me, I think, for many years to come, um, all within non- not-for-profit. Um, and just sort of being able to, I think, adapt and then continue with that theme of doing less with more. All right. So, so where do you go from there? You're at the Philhar- Philharmonic for a while. And then, what, what's your next job, and why do you make that change? Uh, f- my next job after that was Easter Seals Arc. Mm-hmm. I was the um, marketing director there, um, and uh, I was there for probably five years, and it was a great experience. Um, I think our, our paths crossed again there, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and um, again, just doing less with more. I, I, I've always had an appreciation for music. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a couple different instruments through high school and college. And, and classical music was, to me, it was just up there with trap music and rap and R&B and hip-hop and blues. And, you know, throw some classical in there and, you know, that sort of makes me. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that job. I met a lot of great people, um, lots of great connections. Um, and that's where I sort of started to learn a little bit more about mm, who I was as an individual, uh, as a marketer, what I wanted out of life, uh, where I wanted to go with my career, I guess, mm-hmm. if you want to call it a career. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great, it was a great experience there. Um, and then my, uh, former, boss he retired and then there was a new new crop of people that came in and then they you know sort of out with the old and with the new mm-hmm. um from there where did i go next uh i was at a a credit union general mm-hmm. credit union which uh is no longer around they've merged but i was a marketing guy there um and i also learned to tellerize is what i called it <laughs> um so i i would be a teller and, and I was also doing marketing. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, man, from there, I went to the Girl Scouts. I was mm-hmm. the marketing director there. And you were there for a few years, Yeah, correct? I was there about yeah. five years. Our, yeah. our paths crossed yep. again there. Um, yep. Because then while I was there, we brought 
uh, Asheron yep. to be their ad agency. Yeah, so. and you also around that same time, I think, helped me get started on the Fort Wayne Trails board. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was on that board. So um, you've done all kinds of things for me. I don't think I've done anything <laughs> for you. <laughs> no, that that was a good that was a good experience too. I I, I kind of forgot about that. There's just there's just been so many things going yeah. on. Um man, I think that like you know, sort of the my twenties and thirties, I don't think I said no. Mm-hmm. Um and and I think that was that was one of those lessons that um, I learned that could come back to bite you yeah. later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was involved with so much stuff. Yeah. And um, boards, always doing you know two or three jobs. Yeah. Um, trying to maintain somewhat of a social life. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just so much going on, so much to get into. Um, Man, I, I I still haven't learned that. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about that. We're obviously we're, we're skipping some rungs on the career ladder, but I want to hear about what you're doing now. And I knew about one of the things you're doing, and I learned before we hit record about a second thing you're doing. Um, talk a little bit about your professional life now and those two very different facets that you're involved in. Okay, um, so for about the last four or five years or so, I had been the marketing director at First Pres, mm-hmm. uh, big church downtown. Lovely place. I love it. Amazing people. Um, and, and I hadn't planned on leaving there for a while. I was happy. Um, you know, every day is still a challenge, and I'm still learning new things. Um, so, you know, I was content. I had also started maybe a year or two ago um, a, a sole proprietorship um, a marketing, social media marketing consulting business. And mm-hmm. so I had had, you know, over the years maybe – you know, 10 or 12 clients or so. Um, and, and, you know, it's just me. So I know 10 or 12 doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot when it's yeah. just me. Um, and one of those clients happened to be um, Classic City Creamery uh, in Auburn, an ice cream shop. I love that place. I love the owner. She has become a really good friend of mine. I'm actually on a board with her now. Um, so then maybe about mm, six months ago, she just, you know, kind of lost her her zest for it and um, was like, Tony, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, huh, nothing. What, what's going on? And so, um, I don't know. Here we are now, and I'm the owner of Classic City Creamery in, in Auburn, Indiana. So that's been fun to do. Um, however, you know, it, it was we started that in about, uh, we opened in April, April 1st. Um, so right around that time, I had been approached by another friend of mine who said, Tony, there's a, a marketing director job available at PFW. You would be great for it. And, you know, I didn't really think anything of it. I was totally content at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing the ice cream thing. Uh, you know, kids, family, I'm super busy. And you're on boards and you're on still boards. not able to say no. <laughs> right. I still can't say no. Yeah. So um, I didn't think anything of it. So I kind of dismissed it. And then maybe a week later, she says, are you going to apply or not? Like, what's going on? Like, you'd be a great fit. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I applied, not thinking anything of it, just just applied. Uh, a day later, I got a call for an interview. And I was like, wow. Okay, well, I'll just go to this interview and just, you know, why not? Went to the interview. Um, maybe three days later, got an offer. Wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> so now I have to make some tough decisions. Now I have to make some tough decisions yeah. because I am in the midst of opening an ice cream shop uh, and then, you know, starting a new job. 
you know, like that transition between leaving one job and another job, that's stressful. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. I was prepared And are you still for that. doing the sole proprietorship? Yes. Okay. All right. So you, yes. you have three jobs. Then. Yes. Yeah. So, so let's take this one by one. Let's talk about the ice cream shop okay. first. Um, what are some of the things that are the most fulfilling and interesting about that being a first-time business owner? And what are some of the biggest challenges? Hmm. Let's see. Some of the the greatest thing about ice cream is ice cream makes everybody happy. Yeah. Um, you cannot come in there grumpy and, and leave the same way. Like you just you're gonna be happy. I mean, it's cold for once, so if you get it on you, it's gonna wake you up. And <laughs> but I mean, it tastes good. I mean, it's just a sweet treat. Like who can't be happy around ice cream? Yeah. Um. So that's probably the greatest thing. Just seeing people happy. Yeah. Um. Probably one of the biggest challenges with that. Um, it's time, mm-hmm. really. Like, I believe that a lot of those small businesses like that, you get out of it what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to put in as much as I can, but then sometimes I need to step back and yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm only one person. I can yeah. only do so much. Yeah. Um, but are you, it's, are you still doing the marketing for the company or have you said, I do that uh, myself okay. now too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. So you can check it out. Classic City Creamery. We try to post pretty regularly. Okay. Um, but uh, it's been really, it's been a roller coaster with that. Um, you know, I've got payroll now and dealing with taxes and getting, you know, um, an LLC and creating an entity and just staffing. Like, yeah. Just so many things. Then product. I probably mm-hmm. spend, oh my gosh, $2,000 a week on ice cream. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of fun, and, and like I said, I do that in my spare time because I still have <laughs> yeah you know the other new job that I started where I'm there forty hours a week. Yeah, well, I applaud you for doing it because a lot of people think about it, but it's quite another thing to actually take the leap. Well, let's talk about that other job you have at <laughs> Purdue University Fort Wayne. So you work for the division of Division of Continuing Studies. Yes, an entity that I've been fortunate to be part of as an instructor for I think like twelve years now. Yeah, I but, took that class too. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget how many people have taken that class. It makes me feel really old. So, tell us for those who don't know what the Division of Continuing Studies is. How do you define it? Uh, good question. <laughs> This is week six now, um, yeah. but I think I'm, I'm, I'm putting it together. So basically, the division in con- of continuing studies is we're targeting non-traditional students, mm-hmm. and basically, a non-traditional student is anybody that's not coming right from high school. Mm-hmm. So it could be you or I, it could be anybody else who's not, you know, a senior in high school. Yep. Um, so the fun thing about that is. We are everywhere. We mm-hmm. know who our target audience is. Um, we know how to reach them because they're just anywhere in, except in high school. Um, the challenge with that is everything has already been done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other challenge is that since uh, COVID, pretty much all of our metrics um, are invalid. Mm-hmm. Uh, because school isn't the same that it used to be. Yeah. Um, so we've got to start over with new benchmarks and new metrics. Um, most of our classes are online now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's just so many factors that go into that. Um, 
And then so you sit down and think, okay, well, how do I market that? Who do I market to? Um, there's just so many different silos and and areas that need specific attention to. Um, and so sometimes I feel like that can be, I don't want to say overwhelming, but you're you're being spread really thin yeah. as far as what your my resources are and um who is able to take advantage of them. Yeah. Well, I mean the best the best opportunity is that everyone in the world is a potential prospect and the biggest challenge is that everyone in the world is exactly. a prospective prospect. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um talk a little bit about the team you work with. I've had the good fortune of working with some of those folks and they're at least from my standpoint as instructor a tremendous help. You know, I, I always say that it's great to be able to just show up and teach and have a great team of folks who handle the details. What What is your role on that team and who is supporting you and, and who is helping you get the work done? Yeah, um, so the team is great. They have made me feel very much at home. Um, it's, it's, it's a great, lively group of people. Um, everybody seems like they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. so they have been one of my biggest resources of because – of, of asking, what do I do? How am I supposed to do this? Just, um, you know, I've still got new employee syndrome. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm still trying to navigate. Hold know. on to that for as long as you can. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> you could use that as, <laughs> as a lever. Yeah. I'm still trying to navigate, you know, where our promotional item closet is. <laughs> um, but then, yeah. you know, come to find out that this is one of the biggest differences between uh, not-for-profits and then, you know, a place like PFW is that there is a procedure that's already written for everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to wear all the hats. Yeah. I just have to follow all the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning what those rules are is, is, I think, what takes the longest. And that's why that, you know, six, eight-month learning curve is built in there, I think. Um, but everybody's been really great. Um, I'm constantly asking, you know, for help and advice. Um Iron sharpens iron, and mm-hmm. and these people are just—they're a wealth of knowledge, um, and I and I just love tapping into that. Yeah. So when you think about some of the things you're working on, obviously job one is figuring out what the job is <laughs> and kind of understanding what the world is like. But what are some of the things, and only share what you're comfortable sharing, that are big on your to-do list, that are you know important projects, things that are making you excited, keeping you up at night, or maybe a combination of those. Um, well, I think that's um, just sort of tweaking what we've been doing. I mm-hmm. feel like coming in after a pandemic, there's a blank slate because mm-hmm. really what we were doing before then, we we probably can't do or we wouldn't do with as much success. Yeah. So I'm just trying to come up with new ways to, to get the, the word out, I guess, so to speak. Um, one of those things that I'm kind of working on are, are QR codes, and I know those have been around a while um, but they're starting to come back, like mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, one of the great resurrection stories of COVID was the QR code. Absolutely. <laughs> well, people got yes. used to it, right? And yes. It, it's, it was foreign to a lot of people. And then all of a sudden, when it's your way of accessing menus, yep. you know how it works. So yep. now you're familiar with it. I still wouldn't say put it on a billboard. We see some of those. Yeah. But a lot of practical applications. So, so how are you deploying those now? And again, share only what you're comfortable sharing and why is that important? Well, one thing that we have always done is – Every year, I don't know if you remember, you're, you always get this big lofty catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got all of our courses into yep. it. But um, 
every year it pretty much goes out to the same people. Mm-hmm. If you have it's shown probably somewhat expensive to print, oh and yeah, mail. mail more so than print. Absolutely, it's not sustainable. Yeah, um, and and it's that, kind of hey, everyone hears everything. Yes, instead of more targeted. Exactly. Yeah. So now, um, because that that database of who we sent those catalogs to wasn't necessarily growing, mm-hmm. um, because you have to come to us to show us that you're interested before you're put in the funnel. So now I'm using those QR codes, um, you know, sort of utilizing street teams mm-hmm. and getting those QR codes out there, and we're taking the catalog to the community rather mm-hmm. than waiting for them to yeah. drop us their name so that we can send you a catalog in the mail. Um, so that's going to be kind of fun. I'm looking forward to that, mm-hmm. um, just using that QR code and using that IP address and seeing what information we can capture from that. And if we can get those QR codes to as many different people and places in the community as possible, then, hey, that that's that's a way to promote mm-hmm. our catalog. Yeah. We've never been able to do that before. Um, hitting up businesses that do tuition reimbursement or tuition mm-hmm. re- tuition assistance, um, you know, places like Sweetwater for Gear Fest mm-hmm. or Lunch on the Square, um, just sort of having this QR code and a neatly packaged sticker that would be awesome on your MacBook or something, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a little shape of a mastodon head. It's cute. Um, I should have brought one for you. <laughs> um, but no, like just being able to take that tool and and take it out to the community and waiting instead of waiting for the people to come to us. So that's going to be kind of fun. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, and it's a time when it's probably okay and even good to experiment because what people want from higher education is so different than what we thought they wanted two years ago. Right. You know, it's no longer, you know, I'm going to either go from high school into a four-year degree or into a career. Sometimes it's now I'm going to earn a certification or I'm going to wait a few years and then decide what I want to do. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure for every prospect. It is, totally. And uh, the economy yeah. and inflation, so many things are are, are contributing to the career paths and jobs that people are are wanting now. Mm-hmm. So we're we're really paying close attention to, you know, what careers are growing the most, mm-hmm. um, because that's sort of telling us what we need to offer, what people want. Um, it's not always going to school, like you said, for a four year mm-hmm. degree or an eight year degree. Um, it could just be that certification. We've yeah. got plenty of training outreach opportunities. Um, case in point, the the class that you teach mm-hmm. on social media. Um, you know, I've I taken that i just wanted to learn more about social if there's you know you want to learn more about gardening or Mm -hmm. you know korean cooking or you know there could be any kind of class out there Um, yeah or korean social media for that matter yeah just bring it all together yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) no but it really you know and it's that blend of more personal enrichment stuff and the more career focused skills and certifications that make it applicable to such a wide prospect base absolutely and we're also discovering that um there is a, sh- I don't want to say a shortage, a decline of kids in school now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that just means people are having less kids. Mm-hmm. But um, the number of students that are graduating, um, entering college, is significantly decreased from years mm-hmm. before. So yeah. it's like, okay, we got to take all these adults who have been out of high school and in the, in the real world and, and target them. Yeah, That's well, how we're going to see growth. It's this weird sandwich generation because you had baby boomers, as, as the name you know, connotes. It was a boom in terms of population growth. And 
two generations removed from that is Gen Y, which is a big generation because their parents were the boomers. But then you have those of us who are in Gen X, which is a relatively smaller, relatively unappreciated, I would say, generation, but smaller. (laughs) And now our kids are getting to be college age and older, and it's just fewer people. So you've got, you know, this time when there's massive upheaval, upheaval in higher ed and fewer, more competition, more upheaval, more um, choice, more demands, and fewer bodies to go around for each college yeah, to select yeah. from. There are so much, comp- I don't want to say competition, but there are just so many factors that mm-hmm. are playing into enrollment numbers mm-hmm. um, all across the country yeah. in, in higher ed. So, you know, at, here at PFW, we're just, you know, a, a small fish in a big pond, and we're just trying to uh, just trying to, to sustain and maintain and, and continue to uh, just help people, give people the options that they want to to further their careers, um, whether it's for money, uh, enrichment, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's pivot to the speed round of the show. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your career path because you've done a lot of different things. You obviously still do a lot of different things all simultaneously, it seems. What have you learned in all that? sort of your best advice for having a fulfilling, successful career? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, let's see. I, I, um, like I said, I have a problem saying no. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would advise anybody, um, that wants a a career and whatever your career would be, find what you love and and stay the course. Mm -hmm. Um, I found early on that I was so burnt out because I was always saying yes. And I learned that when people know that you're always going to say yes, they're always going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that can t- deter you from what your goals are and what mm-hmm. you want to accomplish. Yeah. Um, and then and the other thing would be um, use your resources and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Nobody has gotten to where they are without the help of somebody else. Correct. Yes. Um, and earlier in the conversation, you said that you hadn't given me anything. I mean, you've been one of those resources that I've tapped into when I needed to. So, so I appreciate that. Um, but just, you know, use those resources, use what you got out there and don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. And if, if you never ask, the answer is always no. Right. Correct. So, yep. and generally, I think that some, sometimes to our detriment, most people are willing to help if asked at the right time. You right. know, and and even will probably help down the line if now isn't the right time. The only thing that's missing is the ask yep. in a lot of cases. Yep. All right. Really good advice. Well, let's talk about, and you can talk about ice cream. You can talk <laughs> about Purdue University, Fort Wayne. What's something about one of the organizations you're connected to that is a myth you want to debunk or something that you think deserves to be better known to have more light shined on it? Oh, wow. Um I think that um, I think that people are afraid of of higher education, um, and I, I I don't know that it's a myth that needs to be debunked. But to me, it seems like that first step is, is all you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, just take that first step, and you're you're on your way. Um, and I know that a lot of people get discouraged or um, intimidated. That's one of the things that we don't really talk about a lot is that, mm-hmm. yes, we're asking for these non-traditional students to come back. But on average, it takes about eight years for a non-traditional student mm-hmm. to make up their mind about going back to school. Yeah. And one of the reasons it takes so long is because they're scared. Mm-hmm. Um, so so 
like I said, it's not, I don't think it's a myth or, or anything that needs to be debunked, but it, don't let that fear stop you. Yeah. Take that first step, whether it's just enrolling, uh, just walking around campus, just getting your foot back in the door, um, and then you're on your way. Why do you think some of that fear exists? What are some of the, the barriers to entry, if you will? Oh, man. Like, I can just speak from myself personally. Um, after being out of college for 20 years, it's, you know, you don't want to be the, the old man mm-hmm. sitting there in the room. Um, you don't want to be um, the the difficult student because you've got a full-time job and kids. Mm-hmm. Um you just you don't want to think that you're not going to know anything because it's been 20 years since you've been in school. Yeah. Um, there's lots of different factors, and it, and it makes it so easy just to say, nah, I'll sit this one out. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, to me, higher education and, and continuing that, that journey uh, to learn, for yeah. learning and growth, um, I mean, that, that to me falls right in line with self-care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And, you know, it's it's an investment in yourself. And even if it doesn't move you up socioeconomically, you know, my belief is that education is still the best and maybe the only way to rapidly move yourself up intellectually, could be spiritually. It certainly could be in terms of your self-awareness. It's Absolutely. the fastest way to get there. But, but one thing that and, – and maybe – Maybe you would disagree with this, but I'm tapping into your objectivity as being new to higher ed. I think sometimes higher ed gets in its own way because it can seem like a different planet. You know, there's all this language in higher ed. It's commencement, not graduation. It's mm-hmm. matriculation. It's all these words. There's a guy named Jeff Salingo. I don't know if you've heard that name, but he's a sort of a higher ed expert. And he writes on higher ed. And he posted on Twitter, what are some of the terms that we use in higher ed that are completely foreign to everyone else? And I started this laundry list and I ran out of room because I only had a 280 characters. <laughs> but it's that. And, you know, you go there and sometimes people are wearing funny hats and robes. And it seems like it's this different planet. So yes. maybe maybe higher ed needs to make itself a little more accessible. I don't know. I, I would agree with that. Um, I think before we started recording – I was talking about, like, what does DCS even mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember my first week, keep in mind, it's just week six, so I'm still adding to this list. Mm-hmm. But my first week, I probably had just as many um, acronyms <laughs> yeah. and abbreviations for yeah. things that were on my to-know list. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going over that yeah. list today. There's so many, oh my gosh, it's there's so many different acronyms to learn and, you know, I've missed conversations, entire conversations, because it's almost like it's spoken a foreign language. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that creates real barriers for people. You know, there are people who either don't want to go through the trouble of figuring all that out, or it's intimidating. It's kind of like I don't speak that language. Yeah. Where you know your experience, it sounds like, and definitely mine, is to be the person. I didn't see myself as a college student, and then I ended up going back and going back and going back again because I realized, you know, it, it's not about the it's not about the acronyms. It's not about the vocabulary. It's about how much you invest in it for yourself and yep. what you make of that. But it yep. took me a long time to realize that. Yeah, 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 I would agree. I wish you could see me nodding my head here <laughs> to everything. But, um, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, 
And I think I couldn't have said it better than you did that higher ed needs to probably get out of its own way. Well, and, and I think that's that's true of just about every institution. And sometimes, you know, your objectivity is probably a huge strength in that environment. It's certainly an uphill battle, but to be able to say, you know, as we discussed earlier, I kind of am looking at this like the audience looks at it. We need to make this a little easier for people in some respects. Yeah, yeah, we do, definitely. Um, who knows? If we had some sort of big campaign push to make higher ed easier, yeah, um, you know those numbers may go up. All right. Well, that's going to be our personal challenge okay. because you you need more to do <laughs> in addition to the ice cream shop and the full time job and the LLC and kids and nonprofits. Now we're going to take on higher ed. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right. So one last quick hit question: What is something you use in your work every day? That, or maybe not every day, but frequently, a tip, a trick, a tool, a hack, an app doesn't have to be technology, could be analog, something that helps you get your work done as a marketer or maybe just as a professional that you think deserves to be noticed, something that deserves a little more attention. Um, absolutely. Um, I don't know that this one needs any more attention, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of GTS. Um, Google that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Say yeah. Uh, Google that shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we had a previous guest who, when I asked him, he said, Google. Google is my yeah. secret weapon. Yeah. 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 Google. Google that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then me being a marketer, um, hashtags. Yeah. Like, I love hashtags. I'm constantly just seeing what's trending, what what people are doing, um, what people are 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 open to and, and responding to, um, especially just starting at this job, you know, trying to figure out how um, to get, you know, those non-traditional students get their attention. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's just, you know, after somebody's been admitted, hashtagging what type of uh, tchotchkes and, and gifts are these universities sending out? Because, um, you know, of course, we're looking for something that's cost-effective, mm -hmm. that's lightweight, that's easy to mail, that's going to make an impact, mm -hmm. how do you find all that? Yeah. Um, so I'm constantly hashtagging whatever's on your mind, just hashtag it. Yeah. Hashtag search. Um, you'll see what other people are responding to. So that's a big tool that I use. And I don't want to say it's underutilized. I know it's been around for a while, but um, maybe it's just me as I get older and maybe more and more disconnected. Um, I try to try to stay connected as much as I can with those hashtags. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we can bring this to a close by just hashtagging GTS. There you go. <laughs> there right. you go. Well, cool. Hashtag GTS. Hashtag GTS. <laughs> well, Tony, thank you so much for doing this. It's great to catch up with you. Let's not yeah, let too. another five years go by before we do it again. All right. Deal. Well, and congrats on everything you have going on. Sounds like you've got a lot on your plate, but hopefully it's bringing you a lot of fulfillment and happiness along the way. Yes. Yes. Thank you for having me. Well, and I hope this episode brought you fulfillment and happiness, dear listener. And we hope you will join us again next week. We'll be back then with another great guest, and we hope you join us then. 